You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Ardacha, Austin, Sota Gizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy being able to wake up on a Tuesday morning, look at the Premier League table, and see Southampton sitting in fifth place, even if the performance wasn't all that good. Um, and to be honest, I think not all that good is probably giving us a little bit too much credit. Uh, I didn't think we played well. And at the end of the day, I, I guess that is a little bit concerning, but more importantly, we somehow managed to get the win, which I think is something that we can be positive about. And I don't just want to try to make positives out of, out of you know overwhelmingly negative performances because we didn't really play very well, but Danny Ings is back fit. Salisu actually exists. He was on the bench. And Redmond is back and in contention. And whether that's a good or a bad thing, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I can tell you one thing. He's not as much of a magnet for yellow cards as Musa Janepo is. But we will get to all of that uh, this week when we talk with Matt Newhausen. Um, Matt joins the show. Monday night games are always tricky given the fact that uh, we generally have to finish the episode off Monday night and get it out. For, for Tuesday morning and having to record uh, on a Monday means, or a plan on Monday means that, um, you know, guests in the UK are up somewhere, you know, at least 10, 11, 12 o'clock if we were going to do that. Um, but this week we are going to talk to Matt Newhausen. He is in Florida, the Florida Saints fan. We'll run through the match and some questions and all the normal stuff for you. Uh, hopefully we made sense of it, but, you know, we both watched kind of while we were at work. So hopefully we don't completely screw this up. If you'd like to follow Matt, on Twitter, you can do that at Newhausen Matt and on Instagram at Newhausen underscore Matt. If you don't know how to spell that, that's okay. Uh, the links are in the show notes, so you can get to that relatively easily. But um, here is Matt. We'll jump straight into it and we'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Matt Newhausen. You can find him on Twitter at Newhausen Matt and on Instagram at Newhausen underscore Matt. Uh, links to those are in the show notes in case you don't know how to spell it either uh, because I constantly mess it up. But Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, Matt. Good. Um, happy to be back on the program. I uh, always enjoy listening. So it's always a pleasure to be able to come on and, and be a guest. So thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. A um, little bit of a, of a short turnaround time. It's Monday evening, Monday night, your time. Um, Saints have just pl- finished playing at, at Brighton not long ago. And you know, there, there's a lot of other stuff that's gone on recently, um, but we'll, we'll get to all that. But not, a, I, would, I would say just to start, not a great performance, but we got the result, which I guess is all that matters. But we'll get into that in just uh, a little bit. 
Um, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. So just to kind of refresh um, people who maybe, you know, weren't listening at the last time you were here. Um, how did you get into supporting Saints and, and kind of what it's been like to watch from Florida where you live um, over the last two years of, of Ralph's time? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been a Saints supporter close, coming up on almost seven years now. I want to say I started really following them in the 2013 season. Um, really just got into them because they were a relatively not well-known team in the U.S. Um, you know, a lot of people support the bigger clubs, and I really liked that they were a team that was able to get results against these bigger sides um, with a lot of emphasis on their younger talent. Um, you know, oddly enough, it was through FIFA that I knew a lot about the players and um, used them on FIFA. And it was around the same time that NBC had acquired the rights to show in a lot of the games. So I was like, I'll check them out on you know TV. And it was just, you know, cool to see them get the results. Like I think when I started watching them, they got a really good result against Chelsea and Man City. And these are just, you know, teams that are still popular over here and um, well supporting underdogs. Um, and it's just been such a a good club to get into. A lot of the supporters are so friendly and welcoming to international fans, um, you know, across all the social media platforms. And that just reaffirms my decision of supporting the team and um, was fortunate enough to actually visit Southampton early last year for my first ever match. And it was just incredible being in the stadium and, get to see them play and um, have just really, really enjoyed following them over the years. Yeah. I mean, the, going to the stadium is a, is a big deal for us that live in the States and it doesn't, you know, happen. I've only been there once. You've, you've been there once and just the, the chance to see the pitch is great. And, you know, for a long time, obviously people haven't been in the stadium yet. So I'm sure it will be, I think it's safe to say it'll be an emotional return for the, the fans as they get back into the stadium. Cause I know, you know, when I walked up and saw it, it's like, you know, you finally, you finally get to see it. And now, Hopefully the fans will be able to to get back in there. Um, 2,000 of them, which sounded like a lot at, at Brighton. And maybe it's just because we're used to the fake crowd noise, but um, or maybe they just had the microphones turned up, but they they seemed fairly salty. Uh, I think I saw somebody tweet that, you know, they they obviously waited 10 months to get back in the stadium so they could yell, who are you, to the Southampton fans uh, when they went out to warm, or to the Southampton team when they went to warm up. So that, that's pretty fantastic. But um, I mean, over over that time, I, I think you come to the team just like a lot of us did when NBC acquired the rights, and it became actually you know quite possible to watch the team without um, you know having to pay a, a ton of money out of pocket for for a while. They had it just it was free; you could watch it all the time, and that was great. Um, they it is behind a paywall now, but uh, very very affordable compared to what people are paying in the UK uh, and things like that. Um, but you mentioned that you know there. are it's still a relatively, I don't want to say it's an unknown club because that's not, that's not the, the right way to put it, but it's definitely not one of the more well-followed clubs in the United States. And um, the, the Premier League in USA, which is the uh, kind of marketing wing of, of the Premier League here in the States, uh, specifically designed to you know, get more of us on board with it. Um, they sent out some, some pies around Thanksgiving. They sent both uh, you know, pumpkin pies and also some traditional English pies and you were on the list to get one as one of the Saints fans. Uh, and I got them too. I got mine on time. You got yours a week late, so I'm sorry. But uh, how bad did that smell when you opened that, that package up with the 
I mean, and just describe for the people what it looked like when, when you <laughs> finally got in there. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was, um, I was really, really excited to actually open up. Um, it was like almost like one of those package lockers and I wasn't expecting the package. I just assumed maybe it got lost, that it wasn't arriving. And I kind of got the inclination that it was going to be, you know, arriving in the mail. Um, and just was starting to see the other people get theirs. And I was like, Oh, cool. You know, so pot, some pies are coming and, um, and then they just never showed up. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's a little disappointing. And then I, it was, I think it was Tuesday night, went down, opened it up and I was like, Oh wow. The, the, the tape has got the premier league logo on it. Like, Oh, it's finally, it's finally arrived. And like, maybe they just were late. And at the time I really didn't have any notion that there was anything wrong. Um, get it upstairs so excited I unboxed it and I was like oh you know like there they are there's you know, both pies and um at first I saw inside the pumpkin pie one and I almost thought it was like maybe froth from the from the ice packs that, are, that were in there and then I opened it up and I was like oh that's very very warm in here and it's not <laughs> that's not ice yeah a lot of fuzz had grown on top of the pumpkin pie sadly <laughs> You, so you didn't eat it, did you? You didn't, you didn't try it? <laughs> no, no, I had to part ways with it. And the the English but, pies as well, you didn't try those either, did you? <laughs> well, they seemed okay, but I was like, nope, not going to risk it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> for, for nothing, if for no other reason, you don't want to have to go to the hospital with a bunch of COVID patients if if you do yeah. wind up getting sick with that. So uh, I think that's a good call. I'm sorry. Um, that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, they got mine to me all the way in California. They're closer to you. They're stationed closer to you. So I don't know. I don't know what happened, but uh, I apologize for that. But um, anyway, that, that, I mean, uh, sometimes good, you know, the, the best of intentions go, go, go the wrong way. And, and, and that, that is what it is. But um, we mentioned that the fans were back in the States or sorry, in the stadium uh, for the Brighton match and fans will be back at St. Mary's uh, as soon as, you know, we have a match there. Uh, so that's that's great, but let, let's talk about tonight's match because we don't have a lot of time because we have to turn this around fairly quickly. And you know, Ralph again named an unchanged lineup except for the bench. And and I'll just let you go ahead with, you know, do you think there should have been changes to the starting lineup, or were you happy with um, the the way Ralph started things and then even the changes he made as we as we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think despite the result last weekend, which I know a lot of us are very disappointed about um, how the game was closed out, uh, still a really strong lineup. I was really confident in a lot of the, the names that were there, you know, particularly, um, you know, we're still carrying on from Ings returning from injury. So it was nice to see him start on the bench and not come into the action right away. So I think the players that were there, you know, it was a good it was a good lineup to stay with. Um, I know a lot of people were a little disappointed not to see how he used to start, but it was you know good to see him there on the bench. So that's showing that we're getting to the point where we might see him feature in the team a little more regularly, and um, maybe we'll get him to he'll come in to play for like the FA Cup campaign if we can get a good run going there. Um, other than that, I mean, going into the game, it was a pretty good lineup. I can say that I wasn't really shocked about the, the lineup, and I think it was probably the right call with, with the likes of Ings and Redmond and Salisa, for that matter, coming back from injury. Remember, Salisa wasn't fully fit uh, when, he, when we made the transfer. He was still recovering from an injury. So to have them on the bench, I think, is good. I don't think there's any reason to, to remove Vestergaard or Bednarak from the starting lineup for Salisu. 
uh, as you said, you know, the FA Cup campaign, he's there. The fact that he was on the bench means that Ralph is comfortable enough with him, you know, in the system that if he needs to come in and play, he can. Um, and maybe his fitness is there for him to do it. But he's he's young. He he's, he'll gain something by sitting on the bench and watching the match with uh, the coaches and the rest of the players, even though they're all socially distanced and stuff. And then if we do get into a, a situation where um, you know we need to make a sub, he can come in and, and and do it. And then of course the FA Cup campaign after the the start of the new year will will be there. And you know we could probably see him play one of these midweek matches, getting closer to. Um, you know, you know, the new year and, and all these things, because we're going to have just kind of, uh, the, the matches are going to come thick and fast, uh, from here until Christmas. So that, that should, uh, or to, from here until I guess new year's day. So, um, we, we could see him somewhere in there, but, um, let, let's talk about just the, the start of the match, because I, I didn't really think that saints played very well. And, and, and for most of the match, I, I, I just, for me, they didn't, they didn't keep control of the ball. They did not brighten our are struggling. They, they, they seem to press us pretty well at times, but, um, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't over, overly very impressed with the, uh, with, with the way the team played, but what did you make of the kind of the opening exchanges up until uh, Brighton were able to, uh, to score? Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with it either. Um, bit, bit underwhelming with not being able to really create any sort of regular ball movement. Um, in like Brighton had most of that, um, just seemed to have the, the regular struggles against teams that look to, you know, play on the counter attack, and you know, Brighton obviously being, um, you know, you don't want to call them a weaker side, but you know, they're not one of the more prolific teams in the league, so you know, they're gonna sit back and wait for their opportunity and exploit any, um, you know, high lines, and you know, we've seen that happen with. Bednarak and Bester guard. Sometimes they'll play a little bit more of a higher line, and we can get caught out. So I think, you know, Brighton were really waiting for that opportunity. Um, and I thought the pairing of Janepo uh, and then um, Lanty, I thought he was really getting the better of him at the start of the match. Um, it just seemed like a mismatch there, and um, fortunately, wasn't too detrimental, and they weren't able to find the nut apart from that penalty. So I think maybe their lack of scoring is what kept Saints in the game and the early going. Yeah. I mean, th- their decision to kind of play, go with pace. They played a, a, a was a three, five, two or three, four, three. Um, I think they have it listed as a kind of a three, four, one, two, maybe. Um, but they had some pace up front and they did look to play on the counter and, and Lamptey playing as a wing back is going to get forward. And, my my biggest criticism of Janepo is always, I think, that he is just unpredictable. He's hard to play with. I think it's harder for Bertrand to um, really be sure where Janepo was going to show up, where Janepo was going to um, cover for him if he goes forward or not. Um, and there was a uh, there was at least once where where Janepo tracked back. I think he gave away um, a foul that, uh, when he did it, but he he did kind of bring Lamptey down, and you could see us pressing high and not really. Uh, trying to cut that that counterattack out soon because if we if we didn't bring him down uh, early on then they were there were several chances kind of in the first ten minutes where they were just looking to play on the break and we're getting in and um, you know it, it was it was causing us some serious issues but as you said it's not really anything new this seems to be 
the game that Saints will play is they'll 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 allow you to do that, um, and they're going to trust that you know one McCarthy will come up and make a save, or or uh, you know the guy will play the guy uh, uh, offside at some point. But it's it's dangerous and it's tough to watch, especially there was a situation I think I I mean in the inside the first five minutes where where Gross seemed to be in, he was offside, but the referee never blew. They just let it go, and once. I think Armstrong and or Bednarak and McCarthy had done enough to kind of get the ball away. They the referee just said play on, and that's it's dangerous for us because it you know uh, guys can get hurt and everything else. And then you know I think we're all sitting there wondering what's happening because uh, we can't see the 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 linesmen and things like that. And then you know that you just I think that's frustrating for for me at least. But I don't know how you, how you saw all that. Yeah, there was that run of play earlier too. I don't remember if it was going to end up. Be eventually called offside, but it was when I see Gross squared it to Welbeck, and it was Welbeck shot that I think went high up the bar. Okay, but there was there was no one you know on him or being there to prevent the shot or even block it. So I mean the whole play that was dependent really on Welbeck being able to find the net, and fortunately he didn't. Yeah, but that's what I saw early on, and I was just like, wow, like that right there is a consequence of being susceptible to the counterattack. And if that's a more clinical finisher, you know, that's a goal for a lot of other teams and a lot more quality teams. Yeah. Uh, I, I have written here that, you know, we look vulnerable on the counter, nothing new. Also, you know, more possession, fewer chances, also nothing new. Uh, we, we do struggle to break teams down, especially if you look at that team that was on the pitch early, Danny Ings, for some reason, Whatever it is, he just makes us better. We survived the time that we, we, we were without him, but we looked, and whether it's the a combination of, of the, the, the team talk from Ralph Hassenhoodle at halftime and the introduction of Danny Ings, or whether it's just the introduction of Danny Ings, I'm not sure, but you know, he, uh, he, he did a lot. And also maybe it's, the, uh, it's solidifying that left-hand side with having Walcott out there instead of, instead of Janapo, who is Walcott slightly more predictable, which I think sometimes Sometimes you want, and then Redmond will we'll talk about his performance as well in just a little bit. Yeah. But um, I just, I just before we 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 jump all the way to um, the goal because you know this it's it's a little bit frustrating to to give away a penalty. Nobody likes it, but in this situ in this game, VAR played a, a semi big role. And we have a question here from Chris Thomas um, who says. He's on uh, Twitter at C Thomas nineteen eighty two. He says, "Please talk at length of the pot about both penalties." I actually think the biggest problem with the VAR is it enables the laws of the game that are not very good to be enforced. And I think Brighton's was a penalty. It says he has no idea about ours. So um, obviously Brighton do wind up getting the opening goal. It it didn't come from open play, even though they had kind of the better of the chances. But um, I would say up until that time, like you know, nobody had really had a, a great chance. I think the XG at that point, which I know people are going to make fun of me for, ours was 0. .03, and theirs was 0. .19 up until uh, the penalty. So nobody had really uh, threatened goal at this point. And and I did tweet before the game. Matt Ryan has the lowest save percentage of any keeper in the Premier League, um, with at least five starts, and we only managed three shots on target today. Two of them went in. I wish we could have done a little bit better to 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 you know make some chances because he is obviously not in good form and I think we could have uh, the game could have been a lot different had we just done a little bit better. But um, let's talk about the the first penalty. It comes from the throw in. 
Um, the ball kind of gets just kind of flicked into the area and Warprouse is up against Welbeck and his hand is well over his head. The ball touches his hand, spins on his hand. Um, I mean, what is there any defense for Warprouse in this situation? You know, as a Saints fan, I, I think he was, you know, in the, in the wrong here. I mean, you just can't have your hand up that high, you know, especially when you're in the box like that coming up against a player. Cause even if that wasn't his intention, you know, you just run the risk of making that contact. And I think that's just what happened there. So overall, I think it was a fair call, even though it came at our expense. You know, I'm not even sure what he was, what he was doing. And I don't think he was expecting the ball to come up over his, over Welbeck's head like that and over his head, which I think, but it still doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you, you, there's no reason to run into the back of Welbeck and then, or press up against him and then throw your hand that high in the air. I can understand having it balanced out behind oh. you to kind of hold your balance. Um, but it's just way kind of up over his head and the ball clearly rests on his hand and, and it is a penalty. And it was, I wasn't happy to see it. I, I really wish that it, it wouldn't because I'm a saints fan, That that's the truth is, is I wish it wouldn't have happened, but it did. And I can't really defend him. And to be honest for the, for, for the 25 minutes before that and the 20 minutes or so after that, um, they deserve to be ahead, I think, because we weren't very good. And maybe they weren't that much better, but I, w- I want us to be better than, than we were. Um, and, and so I think going through that, you know, for the most part, um, you know, Lamptey looked dangerous uh, on their right-hand side. Um, obviously, the penalty puts them ahead. Um, and, and I did make a note here that, you know, normally I would, I would associate Janepo with, uh, you know, potentially being out-muscled by players and things like that. But Armstrong got muscled off the ball quite a few times tonight early, which I, I didn't like to see. And he changed it in the second half, which I thought was, was better. But, um, you know, sometimes those guys, I just, it may, it makes me worry when I see them go down and, and if they don't get the call, they, it just makes me, makes me think that maybe they're going down slightly too early, but, um, I don't know. It happened again, just before the, uh, we scored as well. Um, Vestergaard, uh, coming up to his goal now, from a James Ward-Prowse free kick. So uh, an assist for Ward-Prowse, a goal for Vestergaard. Vestergaard has three goals in four in the last four away games. Um, mm-hmm. I think somebody tweeted, I think Tom Murray from the Under Lights podcast tweeted, I think he's got more goals than Aubameyang, Aguero, um, just a number of other high-profile forwards all combined this season. Um, so that's pretty great. And um, I mean, just, I guess, walk us through what, what your thoughts were with the, you know, going into halftime and getting that, I was just kind of on the stroke of halftime. Uh, did that change your perception of the first half at all? Um, well, it didn't really change my perception of the first half. I still thought the play was poor. So I thought that the goal would be a good chance to go back into the dressing room feeling better and hopefully recharge for a different second half. And, you know, I feel like we did get that to some degree, but yeah, obviously you always want, to have a goal close to half time if it's in your favor and I felt good about it. And um I mean what more can you really say about Vestergaard recently than he's just been um you know a revelation both on the scoring side and on the defensive side. I mean those goal stats for him are I think what prompted Southampton to buy him in the first place from Bruce and Gladback. Um, like it was just his ability to get high on set pieces and, you know, make things happen. Even if it's not scoring goals, it's, you know, creating chaos and getting them all up. And, um, 
creating chances to score with that with his height and um we've just been seeing the reward of that with him being able to connect with ward prowess from those set pieces yeah great you can see him taking up different positions um throughout i mean a couple of weeks ago he was kind of at the back post to start and he was trying to nod the ball down to other attackers um this time he meets the ball right at the at the penalty area and i think he he started a little bit deeper and was able to come forward um and he's got a lot to do from from that spot i mean you're talking 12 yards out to get your head on it and then still supply the you know put the proper direction on it and supply the power enough to get it away from Matt Ryan and he does and it's just kind of wonderful from him and and no and i think we just have to give credit to him for for what he did there so you know great and and really i'm not sure we deserved a goal um based on how we had played up until that point but you mentioned kind of his i guess just his how good he's been and how much he's, he's kind of changed. And when he first came into the team saints, he, he was slow. I mean, he's still slow, but um, you know, his turning radius was an issue. The, the fact that he seemed to get put himself in positions to get beat over and over and over again. When we, when we were guys would just run right past him and, and he seems to have positioned himself a lot better. He seems to be more comfortable in this system. And he is consistently the center back who is stepping up into midfield and making passes that, um, cause problems for the other team, which we will come up to or come to when we um, talk about uh, the Kyle Walker Peters incident, because it's the pass from Vestergaard that finds Kyle Walker Peters that eventually does that. But several times he stepped into to midfield, he broke the lines, he made good passes, he continued his run a couple of times, which is always scary because it's going to take him forever to get back. But um, <laughs> it, it it did happen, and as you said, it didn't really change my perception of the first half. The fact that we that we got a goal, but the fact that we went in there to halftime level maybe not quite deserving it, maybe not being at our best and still finding a way to stay in the game. I think that is the sign of a team that is progressing. And then we came out and with the changes at halftime uh, with, with things being introduced, that I think was um, a big deal for us because we, we looked a lot better whether it was, you know, what was said at halftime, whether it was the introduction of Ings or whether it's Janebo being removed because he was going to get another yellow because he was just asking for it all day. Um, I thought Ralph really, really played that one as well as he could. And, and I was really impressed with us uh, early in the second half. And then I think it kind of just faded a little bit because we just couldn't find a rhythm. We couldn't seem to keep hold of the ball. Um, we, kept, we kept, you know, we'd, we'd play into a tight area and we would find a way to get out of it. And then we'd play into another tight area and then we lose the ball. And then it would, we kind of just have to start this um, all over again. And it was, it was a little bit frustrating at times to, to watch it happen, but, um, I, I guess, you know, what, did anything stand out to you in the second half in terms of, of what you saw versus the first half, or was it just that Danny Ings is really good at football and we missed him? <laughs> yeah, I think we were so fortunate enough to get that goal right at halftime, because I think that sort of gave Ralph confidence to put Ings on right at the start of the the second half because you know then it's a level game and you know he gets that whole 45 minutes to really get his impact and then maybe he's not coming in for a more you know partial cameo you know 15 20 minutes in um so like you said for whatever reason him just being on the pitch i think is a wild card factor because it really you see him play off of other guys around him and everybody just looks better the offense looks way more cohesive with him being out there and it just his ability to create 
chances and, and look for opportunities. I mean, can you imagine if Redmond had finished that ball after he hooked it up those couple times? Like, that would have just been so incredible to see that ball finished and probably would have been a goal of the season or, or, or a candidate for one at least because it would have just been so pleasing on the eye to see that go in. Um, you know, you just, you know, as good as Adams is and as good as Walcott is, you're just not quite seeing that. So having him on the pitch, I think, definitely improved the whole overall offensive game. But what surprised me was just the midfield turning over the ball in a couple of different occasions. It would just be like they would get closed down and try to keep playing the ball, and eventually the, they would get stripped of the ball by the Brighton players, which I guess credit to them, you know, having an effective pressing game, but it was just frustrating to see like people like Romeo and um, I think there were times Armstrong just like, you know, lose the ball without really creating a pass. And that's something I think that Southampton has excelled in in recent weeks being the better midfield team. And I think they were outplayed today or if it just at least outmatched by Brighton, like they, I don't know, knew how to close them down. Yeah. I, I think that, for a lot of it, it was it was Brighton being the better team. But the ability to introduce somebody like Ings, we've seen what it means to other teams when they can bring on a striker that changes the game. And Ings himself did do that for us, which I thought was um, obviously super important. You, you mentioned the the Redmond chance that he kind of blazed over the bar, and I almost think Danny Ings wished he just would have left that alone and let him let him do it. But this is also, uh, you know, Redmond's coming back from from injury as well. He's been out of the team now for a while. And there were a lot of people beforehand kind of wondering if Geneva should be starting. And you kind of feel like maybe this is just always what happens with the team is as soon as we get settled and we say, okay, this is the team and this is the, this is the way that should be. As soon as there's a player that kind of slips up a little bit, people will, will, will jump to that position and want to, to, to fix that position. And for us, for a long time, it was center back. Um, and then, you know, when when Che Adams was not firing, you know who was going to partner Danny Ings, and then Armstrong tended to 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 lock down that that right hand side. Romeu has been good in the middle of the park next to James Ward-Prowse because we were wondering who was going to do that. And that left hand side with Redmond has been kind of the uh, the question mark for the last couple of weeks. And uh, Walcott has played there, Geneva's played there, Redmond's been there, but Redmond really hasn't had the season in that that we all kind of hoped he would have had. He's actually come, I would say, you know, his best season was not last season, but maybe the season before that, I think, is the one I'm thinking of. It was his best, and he's kind of stagnated or maybe even taken a couple steps back from where he was that year. And he came on today, and I'm not sure that that he really offered all that much. It, you know, Janepa was is, is unre- not, not unreliable. Janepa was unpredictable. Redmond has a little bit more predictability. So I think that that may actually help Bertrand a little bit because Bertrand can predict where he can be and where he can go. And Redmond will cover for him and things like that. And so I, I don't know. I, what, what's your kind of take on Redmond and where he is at this point? And, and, you know, who, if you had to pick a starting lineup tomorrow, who, who starts on the left-hand side for you? Yeah. I mean, Redmond, I think is always one of those players you just on the cusp of just really breaking out and being, you know, a consistently positive contributor. And I think we got that, you know, like in the season 
prior to last, and people were really hoping for it to continue into the following season, and it just kind of didn't. And I think with Ings having the successful campaign he did, it and it just kind of like I don't know. People didn't focus on it as much because we were still getting gold and we were still getting producing on offense. But yeah, it's it's absolutely right that part of the the lineup has just been not a consistent area. And you know, while I do really enjoy Musa Gineppo and you know his ability just to move the ball and make opponents uncomfortable, it just doesn't have a really good aptitude yet for defending yet I think in the Premier League uh you think you made the point earlier about him being you know physically overmatched a lot of times so I don't know if he's at the ability to start consistently I think I'm more comfortable deploying Redmond at the beginning of the game having him work with Bertrand if you know Bertrand's more comfortable and knowing where Redmond's going to be like he said and maybe bring on Chinepo later in the game when, you know, the opponents are more tired. He can bring that, that you know, kind of like that shifty ability he has to move, to move the ball around and, you know, we can capitalize on tired opponents. Like we've, I mean, we've seen that before. There were those few matches last season, coincidentally, one of them against Brighton. And then I think either the week later or the week after against Sheffield United. And, you know, he was a difference maker in those games. And I think that's about the most positive he can contribute. I'd like to be proven wrong, but I, just from what I've seen, I don't know if he's just starting quality. Yeah. And, and you know, just cause he's not there now doesn't mean he won't get there. Right. And, and I don't, you're, you're not saying exactly. that he, he can't get there. It's just, he's, he's not quite at that, at that level yet. And, and, you know, I, I think he's, he's young and he's naive and he gets booked too often um, for somebody in our system who we're going to have to share the fouls around. And it seems like, he gets about two fouls and getting and, and gets a yellow card and then we're kind of stuck. And so maybe that, that played into our hands today because it, it maybe allowed Ralph to, to, to introduce Danny Ings a little bit sooner. And I, and I wonder, you know, how much of that is, is pre-planned where, Hey, Danny, you're gonna play 45 minutes today. doesn't matter, you know, what the score is or whatever. We're going to give you the minutes. So you got them in your legs. So you're ready to go for next week. Or if it's looking at it going, Janapo has to come off because you know, it's just not working. Lamptey was giving him a, a, a tough time down that side. And, and, and so it, that's what, that's what happened, but whatever it was, it worked out for us. And, and I think there's a lot of contributing factors and I think you can just see how much better we can be when we have somebody in that left hand, uh, 10 wide, 10 role. That is, that is, um, just maybe more streetwise, maybe more, uh, just in tune with what, what the premier league requires, uh, to be in there for the whole the whole ninety minutes or or, or whatever, but um, I think if you, if you pick a spot on the team right now that needs addressing, that's the question mark I think in the in the lineup now because I have no idea who will start there um, come come next weekend. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. But um, you know there was a lot of talk on our coverage here about Lamptey um, and and the job he did going forward and what he's been doing for Brighton going forward. He's young, he's exciting. He made this move uh, from London to to Brighton, even though. Um, you know, and, and there's all these question marks. That's great. Like, every, you know, everybody wants to hear um, these these success stories. That's fine. But our right back um, plays a, a huge role in our offense going forward. He played a huge role today. And we talked about the improvement in, in Yannick Vestergaard. Um, but 
there was a situation today where we had the ball and we were kind of being pressed and there wasn't really anywhere for us to go. And Kyle Walker-Peters gets the ball. He kind of just just passes it off to, to Vestergaard and then he makes his run. And as Vestergaard steps up, um, you know, past the kind of the press uh, into like some space, he he finds Kyle Walker-Peters on that run. He sees the run. He, he makes the pass. Uh, and Walker-Peters chests the ball down and then is fouled. And, you know, I, I, I said to the guys who are on the, the, you know, the patient group chat, like security just stopped by my room because they were driving by and I was yelling that I thought it was a penalty um, because I was uh, on my, on my lunch period at this point. Um, but I was yelling at the computer screen. And so they just wanted to make sure everything was okay, uh, which was, which was nice of them. Um, but then, you know, the referee comes over and he immediately, you know, he paints the line on the ground that it's outside the box. And, I was just kind of thinking like, you know, maybe we get a goal from, from a set piece again, but um, you know, that kind of, that, that, that play was probably over. We, we put in a lot of corners, we put in a lot of free kicks. They don't often, you know, they're, they're a low percentage kind of chance, but um, you know, what was your take on, on the initial foul? Did you think it was initially in the box or what was your, what was your initial thought? Well, yeah, I was kind of under the impression that it was just out. It was out just outside. I mean, with the ref calling it there right away, so in my mind, my initial thought is, you know, it's kind of not in a great position for Ward Prowse. Whereas, like, well, you know, a free kick's a free kick, and we know he can do things with, you know, with that role. So, you know, I wasn't too optimistic about the the prospect of getting a goal from that set piece. And then by the by that point, we had kind of gotten into the territory of, oh, this could be a possible penalty, and that's when I was like, okay, well, you know. I want to see how. And from the first angle that I saw, I wasn't really convinced. I was like, well, we're not getting this. And then I saw the other angle, which was more of the the goal view facing the pitch. And I was like, oh, well, there's definitely a lot of contact here in the box. Like, I really hope this this gets called now because this looks more convincingly like a penalty. And then sure enough, it did. Now, I think David Coote, if you you just you know, search for his name on Twitter. Nobody is surprised that he was involved in this. Um, you know, his, his initial decision to give the foul outside the box, because it is a foul. There's no question that that is a foul, that what Sally March did there, um, Sally Marsh, I should say, uh, I don't know how to say his name actually. So whoever the guy is, um, spelled like the month, March, um, he gives away that foul and it's, it's clumsy. He's never winning the ball. Uh, it was something you pointed out. Um, earlier, but I couldn't tell. It, it looked like there was initially contact outside the box, and then, but maybe there was still a chance for Kyle Walker Peters to 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 possess the ball, and he could have made a move after that. And so the the contact that kind of eventually brings him down does occur inside the box. Um, but I mean, it's right on the corner, and it is it, it is the law. If there's a foul inside the box, it's a penalty. It doesn't matter what part of the box it's in. It doesn't matter if it was intentional, like the James Ward Prowse handball. It is a penalty. It, it, you know, that is, that is the rule. Um, but I mean, I, one thing that I was, we were talking about earlier is you look across at what, of what, what the possibilities are. If Kyle Walker Peters brings that ball down and, and chooses to cross it, right. Then we have one person coming into the box at that point. Um, I think there's three or four Brighton defenders. If you don't count Marsh uh, there, and then, you know, and, and, and yet we are going to be rewarded with a, 
you know, an 80 or 90% chance of, of converting the penalty. And, and in a game that was that finely balanced, I think, you know, we got, we got, quite frankly, we, we got lucky. And if that would have happened to us, um, if it, that penalty goes the other way, I, I don't think that any of us are, are going to be happy. And I don't think, I think, you know, this guy would be getting it from us. Um, if, if he gives that penalty against us, you know, just the, the way we, uh, even though we're not going to say it now because we don't want to say it because we're, we're fans and we want our team to win. But um, I have a hard time watching that ball or that, that call get overturned, especially he didn't go to the monitor, which is something that we've seen more and more officials do. Um, and he didn't do it. He just said, no, he makes of our signal points at the spot and then, and then they go. And so it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it doesn't look clear and obvious to me. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know how you, you feel about it exactly. Yeah. I mean, you bring a good point because if, if it's a reversed call and then say that the, one of our guys taking down one of theirs and the call happens, I, you know, you're absolutely right. I don't think we're happy about it. Um, but from what I see, I think the right call was made. Um, and maybe the issue is not seeing enough consistency from the refereeing because if um, you know, it's a clear foul. You know, you want to see that in the visuals, so it's not like they're seeing something that we're not seeing. So if something still looks a little more questionable, you know, why didn't he go look at the the video review? Um, and maybe that's the the issue people are taking with this more primarily than the actual call itself is how just inconsistent the decision-making has been. And as a Brighton fan, I can sympathize with that frustration or yet yeah, for Brighton fans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew what you meant. I was going to give you yeah. a chance to correct yourself anyway. So good, good job. Yeah. There. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we walk out of there with a win and I think we have to be, you know, somewhat thankful because we, we don't normally get to play that badly and then get a win. You know, this is, we, we've run into issues before in the, in the past where teams have come to Southampton or we've gone away and we've, and we've played well and they haven't played well. And somehow we still come out on the losing end. And this is, this is the, the, the kind of reverse of that. I don't want to say Brighton, you know, they didn't play us off the park by any means, but uh, you know, they created more chances. They created better chances and somehow they're going to come out on the losing end and they just struggled to kind of, kind of score goals. And, and we should say that they're, they're, uh, their changes were all attacking changes. They were going for the win. Um, so, so fair play to them. And, and they did, I think they executed their game plan just fine, but ours, ours just kind of worked out a little bit better for us. And, and, and we walk away and, and with the win, we we now sit in fifth place. So we're inside the top six. We're actually in the Europa league spot, which is, is fantastic. And I think we need to be, be proud of that and, and, and see that even though we didn't play well, we still somehow managed to, uh, to, to get the win and we should we should recognize the fact that that is the sign of what teams need to be able to do if you're going to mount a run to be in and around the, the the European places. And so I think that is something we can take away from this week and, and be relatively happy with, um, even though we didn't maybe you know play as well. Obviously, we didn't play as well as we as we wanted to. We won't sugarcoat it. Uh, we just didn't look that good. But let's answer a, a couple of questions. Unless you have uh, something something else you'd like to discuss right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll just put my own thoughts on what you just said. Um, you know, there's 38 games in a season, and obviously the aim is to try to play as well as you can in each one and get the results in each one. But 
some results are going to be better than others. And, you know, even if it wasn't the best performance, I'm happy that there was a result that even if we weren't playing the best that we could have played, still played well enough to put ourselves in a position where win was attainable. And that's what happened today. So you can't say that the play was poor because, you know, you don't win if you play poor. You know, Walker Peters was brought into the box because we were playing the ball down on their end of the pitch in a key moment. And one of their defenders was caught out and made a mistake. So it just happened to be more decisive. And it's, it's just, you know, good that it went our way this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on and answer some questions uh, before we, we end this, uh, this episode of the show. Uh, we kind of just, just discussed one already. Um, but this one comes from Dave Lee, who's one of the patrons. And patrons get the opportunity to uh, have the priority for having their questions answered on the show. Um, they get more reminders than the rest of you, which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing. Um, but Dave Lee sends this in. Uh, I put it on Twitter. He says, what's the greatest concern? What's our greatest concern with the club right now? Is it depth? Is it signings to a new contract? Is it um, <laughs> conceding late in matches? And, and then what's the le- your least concerning thing about the club right now? Um, and, and, and it's kind of an open-ended question. So I guess it's just for you, what's your kind of, what worries you the most? And then what are you not worried about uh, so much? Um, well, I was going to say the, the main worry for me is just being able to make sure that points aren't being dropped because obviously that was the, the highlight of last week. And then, I mean, I think it was enough concern toward this week when Brighton were pushing late in the game. I was holding my breath every time I saw Lampy make that run on the side of the pitch. And I, you know, I just, I was holding my breath because I was like, oh, I'll take this one first time position and then we've conceded. Um, but then, yeah, it makes a, you make a great comment about Ings being re-signed. I mean, that's also, I think, a big concern because you see how much difference the offense plays when he's out on the pitch. So apart from just being the goal scorer that he is, it's the overall presence that he brings and inspires the players around him. So it's more than just one dimension that he offers. So you don't want to lose that because it's the arguably, apart from you know, Ward Prowse, one of the most successful components of the team overall right now. Danny Ings is, is more than just a goal scorer, and I think you've kind of summed it up beautifully there. And we look so much better with him on the pitch, and I, it's, sometimes it's hard maybe to quantify, and I'm someone who does rely on statistics and stuff to, to kind of back up what I, I just don't want to say things that I, I, I think if there's no kind of proof of it, you know, but I think if you watch the team in the first half and you watch the team in the second half, there's a big difference. And we did play, you know, we didn't completely fall apart when there was no Danny Ings in the team. Um, but, but this kind of goes into uh, another question uh, that comes in from one of the patrons. And Kevin McGee says, I felt we would have beaten Wolves had Danny Ings played. And do you think we would have won tonight without him? And I think just looking at that, you can see the difference in the team, uh, you know, with Ings and without Ings. And, and like I said, we didn't fall apart when he wasn't in the team, but we definitely look more cohesive. Uh, we look like people know where to be. And it's, I think sometimes I, I, I think about um, defensively, you think, you know, knowing where, you, where your teammates are and what they're going to do is, is important. But I think sometimes when you're trying to run these kind of passing combinations and things, you need to know that people are going to be in a certain, in a certain place. And I think it might've been Romeo over the week was, was speaking about, you know, I can kind of close my eyes and know where I'm supposed to be and where my teammates are in this system. And I think that's super important. And with, and with things, 
there, I think that, I think that all comes together. So, um, yeah, I think it's quite possible we could have beaten Wolves had had Ings been there, and and I do think we'll struggle to score goals without him in there. But you know, it we we got we got by today. We got through those games without him. Luckily, the injury wasn't as severe as we thought. And hopefully, you know, going forward, you know, he can sign that contract. I don't, I don't, you know, it's all speculation at this point. Um, you know, whether he will or he won't, he seems happy. But of course, when players sign for clubs, they say, yeah, I'm happy here. I've, you know, I've always wanted to be here. But, you know, people say that stuff all the time. I mean, Che Adams said, you know, we definitely want to win the league. And we all kind of went like, whoa, man, like, do you know, you know, we haven't done that before. So maybe just calm, calm down a little bit. But, um, you know, you want guys to be excited. And, and you know, if I, all I can hope for is that we, that, that Danny Ings plays the rest of the season for us. Um, and if we're going to sign him to a long-term deal, that he does it. And if he doesn't, you know, I, I will have very much enjoyed the time we had with him. But uh, of course, I'd like yeah. him to stay, I guess. I, I'm probably echoing a lot of what's been said a lot, a lot already regarding fans' attitudes towards Danny Ings. But, you know, you just look at where he's at in his career. Um, you know, he's not like super old, but he's not like young either. I don't know another top team in the league that will deploy him the same way Southampton does at this point, even with you know, the stats that he has, because if you, the, the English national team is a perfect example of that. You know, look at a player who's had over, who scored over 20 goals in the Premier League last season, still playing second fiddle to another striker who, you know, was injured a predominant amount of that season. And, you know, coincidentally enough, that was the team that had the major link to him last season. So, you know, I just hope that that's enough maybe to convince him to stay and, um, you know, and he's also a local guy too. So I can't think of a better position for him to be in at this point in his career than to be positively contributing as the main talent in a team that he grew up supporting. Yeah. I mean, obviously as a fan, I hope he stays and there's a, there's going to be a lot that has to go on. He's probably got one more contract in him, you know, one, one more decent size contract. So as a, as a player, if, if you know that that's what you have, maybe you take, um, and, and, and look at that and say, okay, you know, that's, that's what's kind of what we have to do. So, um, if we can't pay him and he needs to make the money, then, then, you know, we may have to do that. So I'm, you, you hope that's not the case, but that, that may just be it. But overall, you know, I, I think we're, we're happy with, with the result, even if the performance wasn't as great, I guess. So anyway, yeah, uh, Matt, I want to say thank you to, for, for jumping on here, uh, late. And, uh, I, I just appreciate your time and, um, you know, sorry, we didn't get more time to kind of sit and, and chat and, and do all this, but this is, uh, you know, the Monday night games make for a, a weird kind of time. So uh, thank you very much. If people want to follow you once again, uh, the links to your Twitter and your Instagram are are in the show notes. And um, hopefully next time we send you pies, they will be um, edible <laughs> when they get there. And I just want to say thank you for that. Absolutely. It was a pleasure being on the episode and uh, I was happy we were able to chat about a win and uh, we'll look forward to the next match coming up here. All right, man. Thank you so much, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Matt Newhausen. You can find him on Twitter at NewhausenMatt and on Instagram at Newhausen underscore Matt. Um, Matt, thank you for stepping up, even though the pie delivery was uh you know a couple days too late um hopefully this is a good makeup i don't know it's not really makeup i wanted you on the show anyway but uh anyway 
Thanks for taking the time to do this. Hopefully you are on time to get your significant other from the airport. And if not, just blame it on me. That's fine. Um, I live 3,000 miles away. What's the worst she's going to do? Block me on Twitter. Anyway, um, if you want to follow Matt, you can do that. The links are in the show notes. You can also follow this show on social media if you are interested. We are at SFCDELL underscore IBERY on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. Uh, no underscore in the Facebook address. And if that's kind of confusing, just head on over to SouthamptonDelivery.com. There you have links to uh, the show on a number of platforms. You have links to sign up for the newsletter, which comes out each and every Friday. And you can also follow us on social media from there. So uh, thanks to everybody who already does that. Appreciate it. Appreciate the support and the engagement. Um, I just really do appreciate it. And I do have a, an apology to make. Andy, you sent in a question several weeks ago, and I never addressed it. We will address it next week because I think it will fit next week, hopefully. So I apologize. I'm sorry. We'll get to it. Thank you. And thank you to the rest of you who are listening. And thank you to the people who help make the show possible. And those are the patrons. And so to all of you over at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery, thank you for your support. And thank you also to the partners of the show, the Saints Archive and the Southampton page, both of which help make the show possible and help make sure it gets all the way to your ears. So thank you. Follow them if you don't already. Uh, the links are in the show notes. In terms of credits, all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you listen to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. If you don't already follow him, please make sure you do. And uh, that does it for this week. And until next time, we're together. We march on.